Good morning. Good morning. Can we give the Lord one more clap offering? In Jesus' name. What an amazing group of women gathered here this morning. Amen. It doesn't matter about the rain, the storm. We've come to hear from the Lord. Isn't that right? Amen. Thank you guys so much for gathering. We are, I am Mimi or Lynn, and this is Angie, and we're going to be uh, carrying the message for you today. And so we just welcome you. Relax. We're going to sit down. We're going to start. We're going to go right into it for sake of time. We are, um, we, we did, we're not getting an appetizer this morning. We're going right into the meat. How many of you know that the, that the topic is, is anybody? you know what the topic is we're discussing this morning? Unforgiveness. And how many of you know that's meat, right? That, that's good. That's good something to sink our teeth into. You know, and I love that Church on the Hill, we raise leaders here. We raise women of God who are strong and who are powerful and who are ready to take the world by storm, amen, for the kingdom of God. And so we've got to settle some things. We've got to go down deep into some things and, get, and be sure that our hearts are ready. I believe there's a harvest coming, don't you? And I believe in that harvest, God wants to use us. And so I'm so thankful for our pastors, Miss Jamie, wherever Pastor Jamie is the great staff, the great team, Gina, Sarah, I'm not calling out everybody, Kenzie, Myrna, all, all the girls who have helped and labored and, and put this on for you. They put this on for you so that you could be blessed because they have a desire. We have a desire to see our sisters grow and be strong. And I'm so thankful that our pastors have provided a place like this for us this morning. Amen. So we're going to jump right into it. As we said, our, our topic today is unforgiveness. And we, uh, Angie and I have been given a great task, which is to cover this information in just a few minutes. So I'm going to say, you may have heard Pastor Adam say this before. He probably got it from me, just uh, wanted you to know. But uh, but we're, you're, you're going to have to listen fast because I'm going to talk fast. Amen? So you're going to have to listen fast. You're going to have to be ready to grab it because we're going to give you some deep truth. So we're just going to start off in unforgiveness. I want to tell you the reason why, why our topic of unforgiveness is so important. And I'm going to open right with that. You know, there's a powerful illustration in the Word of God in Matthew 4. 14, 3 through 12, and I'm going to look at that. There's a powerful, powerful illustration of what unforgiveness can do to our families. How many of you know we can pass it down from generation to generation? We can pass down that offense. We can pass down that unforgiveness. And in Matthew 14, I tell you what, y'all jot that down. Matthew 14, 3 through 12. And the other uh, scripture reference is Mark 16, uh, 6. I'm sorry, Mark 6, um, 17 through 23. Those two, two illustrations, I, I'll just tell it to you. It's where, if you remember, Herodias, Herodias was with, with the king, right? And that was her brother, her brother-in-law. And so John the Baptist had been coming against it, right? He'd been calling out their sin and saying, you're living in sin. And so she took issue with John the Baptist and she wanted the king to kill him. But it says the king was afraid because he knew that John the Baptist had great followers. Are you following with me? You, you, you know the story. And so Her Herodias had a daughter. You, re you remember? And so Herodias, they had a, 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 a banquet and the daughter danced before the king. And it pleased the king so much that he said, you know what, daughter? You can have anything you want up to half of my kingdom. I want you to let that settle. You can have anything you want. She goes back to her mother and says, mom, what should I ask for? And that mom says, ask for the head of John the Baptist. You see that mother passed that offense down to that daughter. 
See, that's what happens when we don't walk in healing, when we don't walk in unforgiveness, when we don't walk in transparency and realness. I know that we're all real and we all struggle with things, but this mother affected this young girl's life. She could have had up to half of the kingdom, and she asked for someone to be murdered. Now, we may not ask for someone to be murdered, but sometimes there's those deep issues in our heart, amen, where we wish those people would just go away. And if we're not careful, we can pass that on. The daughter could have had half the kingdom. We don't want to forfeit our kingdom. If we walk in unforgiveness and offense, we can forfeit our kingdom. Are you getting that? We can forfeit what the kingdom of God holds for us, which is so powerful. So that is our reason today for touching on this subject because we as women, we don't want to forfeit our kingdom. We want to walk in what God has for us. Also, we don't want to carry someone else's offense. I don't want to forfeit my kingdom, Angie, because of what my mother walked through or what she believed. I found out years later that, you know, I walked in a lot of insecurity. And as I thought about that, I realized that back as a child, my mom used to say, well, we don't fit in. You know, we come from the other side or we're not accepted. Bless her heart. That's all she knew. But you know what? As I grew up, I thought, what's wrong with me? Are we really not accepted? Do we really not Are we not like others? Anyone ever had any experiences like that? And I realized later that probably some offense that she had had someone be unkind or maybe reject her. But I would hear it in my head, we're not like them. They think they're better than us. And that resonated with me. And I realized years later, I walked in some insecurity. And as we go through this teaching, and we'll touch on it at the end, I was able to get in touch with that and break that spirit of offense over my life so that I could inherit my kingdom. I don't want to forfeit my kingdom, and I don't want you, we don't want you to forfeit your kingdom, what God has for you today. That's the purpose of this message. So I'm going to turn it over to Angie. She's been preparing, and she has a great, a great teaching, some thoughts for us and some points. So Angie, where would you take us from here on this subject? Well, first of all, I just, you're awesome. I love you, and I'm so honored to be sitting here beside you and this Jamie giving me this opportunity and all the hard work, you guys, that goes into something like this is amazing and astounding, all the behind the works. So um, I want to start off by saying, again, just to reiterate, man, wow, all of you guys that came that are here, the, the message was no secret, you know? It was no secret what we were going to touch on, what we were going to talk about today, and I'm just, I'm wowed by the numbers that showed up on a Saturday morning from your, your week filled with busyness. On a Saturday morning, you took time away to get with the Father and um, to allow us to speak into your lives, and we're so honored for that. Um, I want to share uh, just a, a quote that I found years ago that was um, given to me by a woman that I just loved and praised, and she got it from a man by the name of Matthew Arnold. And it says, if there ever came a time when the women in this world came together purely for the benefit of mankind, there it is, it will be a force such as this world has never, has never known. We're here in a time such as this, and our nation is in its place that it's in, and we're here to do war. We're here to stand beside each other hand in hand to tackle what the enemy has, tr- has stolen and has tried to steal, is constantly on the battlefield 
for, you know, what we know what Ephesians 6.12 says is that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And we're here to just declare that and just to remind ourselves of that. So before we begin the message, I just want to encourage all of us to, um, to not compare ourselves to each other. And I'm reading this because I don't, want to, I don't want to leave anything out. The Lord put this on my heart, and it was so powerful. I just want to encourage us that not to compare ourselves to each other's size of offense or unforgiveness in here. That we don't want to minimize anyone's hurt. And we also want to be sensitive to those of us that have had massive life-altering things happen to us. But at the same time... We also want to make it clear that all unforgiveness stems from the same seed, and that is offense. It doesn't come from a super seed of offense. It comes from the same seed, offense. And some of our offenses are bigger than others, but it still comes from the same seed. So here we are. The topic is no secret. You guys still came. (laughs) And we are here ready and prayed up. I know you guys are prayed up. You're ready to do war. You're ready to take back your freedom, take back your life. We are all here to uncover the enemy, and that's my favorite thing, is to uncover him. Because when we uncover him, we take his knees out. We knock him to the floor, and we trample on his head, like the word says. Chains are going to be broken today. We're going to experience freedom. You're going to walk out of here. I hope that you are prepared for that, that you are ready, that you are expecting to walk out of here with that. So my prayer this morning is that the Lord would shine his light on any unforgiveness that has been hidden and unrealized. That any unforgiveness in our hearts would be dismantled by revelation power, the word and the name of Jesus today. And for that the lie, this is strong, something I really felt, that the lie that says that the unforgiveness we have grown accustomed to and have settled in our hearts that we'd carry forever because it is far too big to unravel or or uproot and it's just too shameful to mention or that we feel justified in carrying. Some of these things become our identity. I pray that this lie would begin to break off right now in the name of Jesus, the mighty name of Jesus, and for hope to be released at this very moment. We are all here for freedom and revelation, the kind that's not of this world. Praise God. I don't want this world's revelation. I don't want this world's freedom. I want heavenly Father's freedom. I want heavenly revelation and transformation, the kind that can only be brought supernaturally. So we're going to talk about three things um, with unforgiveness. You guys have a notepad in front of you. Let's take notes. We're excited. We worked hard putting this message together. and We know you guys are excited and expectant to take some, some meat home, take some, uh, some food home. So the first topic up here is going to be um, signs of unforgiveness. Signs of unforgiveness are, like I said, it starts all with a seed, and that's a seed of offense. And that seed of offense can grow into pride. It can go, grow into bitterness. It can grow into hatred, anger, jealousy, and even murder. When we look at the example of Cain and Abel, I know we all know this story, but a seed of offense that, that Cain took on from, from the Lord, and the Lord not receiving his offering, that seed of offense grew into, into to anger. It grew, grew into um, to jealousy. It grew into bitter, bitterness and hate. And it ultimately led to murder. His brother. He murdered his brother. He was so angry. Now, I know we're all sitting here thinking, I've never murdered before. And I, I'd agree, I've never murdered either. But 
there came a time I was sitting in a pew, not a pew. We always say that. I was sitting in a chair. There's no more pews anymore. <laughs> I was sitting in a pew. Um, I was sitting at church, um, the church we went to previously, the church on the hill. We, we learned so much from, and, and the pastor was talking about the Ten Commandments, and every Sunday he would talk about one of the commandments. And one of the commandments that came up that Sunday was murder. And he kind of laughed and he said, you know what, you guys, I know you guys are all sitting there like, oh, I've never murdered before. We're good. I'm not going to put my notes away. I'm good on this, you know? And, <laughs> and the Lord, um, he started to minister and he started to like bring this whole idea that I was just like, whoa, I have murdered so much in my life. And I know that we sit here and we'll think, I want you guys to realize, like, we've all done this. And that is with the idea, what Proverbs 18, 1, 11 says, and that there is life and death in our tongue. That we have the power of life and death in our tongue. You know, um, growing up, I was brought up in a home where we, we loved the Lord and we were taught the things of the Lord and I fell away from the Lord in my teenage years. But growing up, I just I had very few girlfriends, very few. I was um, very careful about about my female friends, because they were very catty. Women are very catty and very um, just bite back, uh, back biting. I keep saying back, opposite, back biters and um, just gossipers. And I just couldn't stand that. So a lot of my friends were guys. I had a lot of guy friends. And of course, we know the rap that can give us. But anyways, so when I, I had very few girlfriends, but when I, um, when I gave my life back to the Lord when I was 20, I, this was one thing that I was so excited for. I, I said, Lord, I'm going to get real girlfriends. I'm so excited. They're going to be real and authentic and genuine. And they're not going to gossip. And they're not going to be hateful. And they're not going to be just catty and sassy. And they're going to be real. And then I got a slap in the face. And the wind knocked out of me. And I kind of realized that that's not the case. And I was kind of like... Um, separating the worlds when we really can't do that. We're all, we're all in need of a, a savior. We're all in need of grace and forgiveness. And so, um, there was this one girl, so this, so I had a little bit of a fence, you know, planted in me when I was a kid towards girls and then I didn't deal with it cause I didn't, I didn't have revelation of it at the time, but over the years it kind of grew and grew and grew. And then it kind of started to form who I was, the person, my identity. So I would stand at a, at a distance and I would just wait and I'd expect for this person just to look you up and down and judge you or for them to think, you know, just be a lot more materialistic than me and, and whatnot. And, um, that I couldn't, the Lord, the, the enemy would take my tongue because I was too afraid to say anything that, that it might, you know, be uh, mishandled or, uh, misappropriated or, um, you know, told around. You know, kind of thing. So it's kind of interesting how a seed of offense like this can kind of change our identity a little bit if we don't take care of it, if we don't uproot that sucker right away and get it out. So I had a friend that um, was my, one of my first Christian friends, and I realized very early on that she was, um, she was very judgmental and very materialistic and lived in her, in her world in a very shallow way. And that was probably, you know, her own thing, like seeds and stuff. And that's the thing is that we, we have to understand that we're all coming from somewhere. We're all coming from some place of hurt or some place of, of, of wounds or, you know, the, the Bible says, the Lord says that, that, that it's impossible that offenses won't come. So we know we live in, in that world that, that is impossible. Offenses will not come. And so I started to, um, 
I started to uh, resent her a little bit. I started to judge her. I started to get really angry and bitter and like, oh, it's again, again. And I wouldn't talk to my girlfriends because I didn't have any, but I would talk to my husband about it. And the Lord really quickly told me that even though I'm not gossiping to friends, we can also gossip to our husbands. It's a safe place, right? And I think um, that's a danger, dangerous place we can all kind of fall into. But um, I realized that I have murdered this. Well, while I'm sitting in this, in this seat, let me go back to the church. While I'm sitting in this seat, and I'm listening to this preacher talk about um, how our, there's power in our words, there's life and death in our words, and how I had just m- multiple times decapitated this girl in my mind and my thoughts and my words. And I had to ask for forgiveness. I said, Lord, forgive me. Who am I that I'm to think that I'm above her or better than her? Or I've become like our Christian, one of our Christian uh, curse words. I've become, I'm a Pharisee. I'm a Pharisee, Lord. And I just ripped myself apart. I'm such a Pharisee. And I was so angry. I was so angry. And I said, Lord, where did this start? Where did this, where did this, become, where did this begin in me? And the Lord took me back to this time when I was a child and where this seed of offense towards women began. And he be- I said, take it out, Lord. Take it out. I don't care what the cost, what it, how it feels. Just take it out. Because sometimes, you know, we got to go against what, our, what we're feeling. Because what our feeling isn't always what we need, what, we, what, what would benefit us. And that our heart will deceive us, the word says. Let me get back to my notes. So... In that, I, um, I asked the Lord for forgiveness and was able to carry on a friendship. I'm still friends with this one today. And the Lord, it's amazing to see the journey because this woman has come through different things. that ha- Some of those things that were frustrating to me or irritating to me that I saw in her, the Lord handled on his own and began to take care of in her life. And I think um, sometimes it's difficult for us to entrust that to the Lord because we want to be like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point this out. So, so she did this and this and this and this and this, and she needs to know about this because I'm sure nobody else is, 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 um, is uh, uh, willing or courageous enough to say it to her face. <laughs> oh, this is fun. God is so good. Um, I was terrified last night. But God is so good. I'm just like, y'all, I didn't go to Bible school, y'all. I just, I go to school the word. And that's all we need, right? There ain't no diplomas. And, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Y'all are all needed. Okay. So, man, it just rocked my world, and I was able to, to be free from that. And, and since to this day, like, it's just that, it's like this stake that was put in the ground, and I see it's rearing its ugly head, and I say, ah, oh, devil, get behind me. I'm not falling for that trap again. And that kind of leads us into um, the, next, the next topic, and that is the trap. Unforgiveness is a strategic trap from the enemy. It's exactly where he wants us, out of commission, on the bench, because he knows of the great commission, stated in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Don't you think it's so, it's so like him to, to try and use us against each other, to try and take our, our knees out ourselves, to, to use us against each other? And I think that when we come to that place, um, we're not able to do what we're called to do. We get... We get blinders on. And one of those blinders can be pride, where we think that we're better than somebody else or, or that we're, um, we're, we're judging ourselves against someone else. And we've got this big plank in our own eye because sin is sin, right? We've got this big plank in our own eye and we're calling something out on somebody else, but then we're kind of conforming and becoming that thing. 
becoming a Pharisee. So, as we know in Isaiah 61.1, the Spirit of the Lord, this is um, Isaiah speaking, he says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and be and the opening and opening the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Instead of us operating us, because this is what what we're all called to. Instead of us operating in this, he entraps us with bitterness and offense, etc. He uses us. To steal, kill, and destroy, which is his, his, his agenda, right? He uses us against us to steal, kill, and destroy. And as women, like, oh, he, he, he's, he, he uses us the most against each other. Friend to friend, daughter to da- daughter, to, to mother, mother to daughter. Let's uncover that this morning. Let's, like the quote I read in the beginning, let's, let's stand side by side. Let's not try and knock each other out of the way, but let's bend over and, and climb on each other's backs and encourage each other. Because just like this man said, this man of the world said that no other force of this world have ever known is when women gather together and unify and, um, and help each other, encourage each other. So I have this analogy that the Lord showed me, and am I doing good on time? I'm not even paying attention. Um, the Lord showed me this analogy of the table. 1034. Okay. Okay. We're almost at the end. Okay. So um, the, the t- this table um, that we can create with the seed of offense. And if you can imagine the legs of a table being the seeds of offense and the tablecloth um, being unforgiveness and then unforgiveness when we, when we operate in unforgiveness, we op- operate in offense, we don't take captive of this thought and remove it, then we're, we dish out on the table. And I, I believe that he shared it in this way because we're women, we're nurturers, we love to provide, we love to take care of, we're in the kitchen, we're dishing out, you know. And on each plate, there's a plate um, where we put jealousy, or there's a plate where we put bitterness, there's a plate where we put hate, we put anger, we put um, uh, even bondage and fear, and with this, we're, we're sitting at this table and we're dining at this table. And to go along with, with Ms. Lynn's point about how we're, we're, it passes from generation to generation, we're also dishing out from this table. So we're speaking these words. We're killing, stealing, and destroying. We are entrapped in the enemy's plan to, um, to do his work by, by doing this. Um, and I want to I say that Jesus wants to come in here. And he wants to flip over that table and say, my table is your table. This is not where you're supposed to sit. This is not your place. I'm going to move in and and flip this table upside down. And we're going to sit in a seat of mercy. And I'm going to place your enemy in front of you. The word says that. That he prepares a place for us at at his table to sit across from our enemies. And how, how powerful is that to even think about? And so let's, let's move, into, um, move on to what I really feel like the Lord is saying here, and that's the process towards forgiveness. How do we even begin? Where, where do we, how do we start? My first point in this is that we have a David moment. I have David moments all the time. I, I've kind of, that's my coined kind of thing where I, David was, was so offended, so hurt, so frustrated, so angry, and he would just felt free to just share it all with the Lord, just to uncover it all, to get it out, to manifest it out. And I think that we need to do that sometimes. we got to get real. 
not disrespectful. We just got to get real. We got to tell the Lord what we're thinking and what we're saying, what we're feeling. We can't shove it down. So when we shove it down, we just put dirt on top of that seed. We put dirt, we put dirt, and then water comes along. And then sunshine, it's not real. It's, it's a counterfeit sunshine. It's an imposter. Um, and so um, we got to process at the Lord what we're feeling so we can relinquish control. We need to get rid of that control that we need to be the, the one that's sitting across the person, judging them, pointing the finger, because we're all in need of a savior. We've all committed sins against each other. I think it's so powerful when, we, when the, word, the, the, the Jesus says to us, how, should, how, we should, how should we pray? And, and Jesus tells us this, this, for the longest time, I was like, what does that mean? Am I, am I supposed to only pray like that? Or I think it's a template. I think it's a template of we need to, we need to put our, you know, our Father who is in heaven, we need to place ourselves in heaven. We need to, because in that, our, our heart, our mind, our spirit, everything will line up with the things of heaven. And then going forward, we give glory, we give glory to you, Lord. But that's not what I'm preaching on today. But anyways, so, so um, forgive us our trespasses as, as we forgive those, starting our day like that. Forgive us our trespasses, Lord. We know that we're, we, we are in need of a Savior, and we know that the others standing beside us are in need of a Savior, and we're not going to um, elevate ourselves, put ourselves in this higher pedestal that because we're not just struggling with the same sin, that we don't have sin ourselves. So um, another, another thing that we need to do, so we need to get real. We need to have a David moment. And then in, that, in David's moments, he, he comes back and he says, oh, but Lord, you're so good to me. You're so kind. You're so great. Your, your majesty is just omniscient and magnificent. And he fills his spirit with the truth, of, the truth of God and the promises of the Lord and things that he's come through. Um, then we need to stay close. We need to bring the fence out into the light with the Lord and ask him to forgive us for holding our brother and sister captive with unforgiveness, for sitting in the seat of judgment. Romans 12, 19 says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, not mine, his, sorry. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. We need to give him, that's his seat. I think there's a reason why he didn't, he didn't you know, ask us to carry that. There's no way, there's no way, and I don't want to. That's, I don't want to. He put compassion and empathy in me to, to set the captives free. We need to speak life over the situation and the person. We need to bless them. God says pray for them. Compassion and empathy has the power to break down walls in us. I was having read, uh, Siri read this to me, just getting it in me before today. And, it, and my us is capitalized. And it says, so Siri would say, in U.S. And I'm like, amen. We need it in the U.S. That's right, Jesus. Okay. And the other person, okay, so compassion and empathy has the power to break down the walls in us and the other person involved. We should ask for his eyes and his heart to see the other person as he sees them. We need to bless and, and those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, Romans 12, 14 says. And then Romans 12, 20 through 21 says, if, you, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. That's like letting him do his work. We're operating in, in, in what, how Jesus would handle a situation, and we're entrusting it to him, saying, Lord, I know you're going to handle this. I know you're going to fight and work on my behalf. I'm to love. I'm to break down this wall with some love. I'm to break down this wall with, and, and going against what we feel, because we have to separate. That's my next point. We have to separate our will and our emotions. We're not created to live within our emotions. Our emotions were a gift from the Lord. 
I'm so grateful I get to feel joy. I'm so grateful I get to feel love. I'm so grateful for those things. But with that comes the spirits of, 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 um, uh, that, are, that are not meant for us to, to, to operate in and to carry. And those are the, the opposites. And so we have to also turn off the real in our mind that deepens the roots of unforgiveness, hatred, bitter, anger, hurt, pride, as we replay the offense over and over and over and over again. 2 Corinthians 10, verses um, 3 through 6, tells us that we need, to, we need to take captive of these thoughts, and we need to do it right away. we got to take captive of them. So if you're thinking on the same thing over and over again, it's, it's keeping you up at night. You're digging yourselves, your, your, your seed, deeper and deeper and deeper. You're letting that root of bitterness and of anger and of, of um, hatred kind of settle in. So we got to make sure that we're not doing that. Um, and, and, and with the separation of, of will and emotions, obedience to the, to, to the separation of, of them, because like I said, emotions, we won't ever feel like giving in or feel like um, forgiving. We won't ever feel it. We'll never want to, but we have to be obedient to what the Word of God says. And it's important that we know what the Word of God says, because in that, we'll have the strength to do what we don't want to do. Amen. So um, a separation, or separate our emotions from our will. Obedience trumps emotions. And Jesus' final days, we, we see that. He was, in his final days, he was uh, really, he was beaten. He was um, tempted by the devil. He was tired. He was weary. And what did he do when he got to the place where he just couldn't handle anymore, where it was just overcoming him, overwhelming him? He went and he met with the Father, to get, his, get himself aligned again. That's it's so important that we know the word and that we r- routinely meet with the Father. Day in and day out, we're speaking with the Father. We need to choose love. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, hopes all things. That means we're going to give the benefit of the doubt to our sister that says something that sounded a little off, that maybe just caught me, on, caught me a different way on that day because what I had just come from, you know, the event or the, the meeting or the conversation on the phone that I just come from. You know what I mean? So we need to give the benefit of the doubt to our friends, to our, our children, even our husbands. <laughs> <laughs> Love endures all things. Compassion and empathy has the power to break down walls in us again. We have to have love for the word. We have to hide it in our heart. The word says it has to be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Psalm 119 and 165 says, Great peace have those who love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I want to be so engrossed in the word of God that nothing will offend me. Because I know the truth. Because I know my enemy. I know his plans. I know his plots. I know his agenda. I know his moves. There ain't nothing new. I know your moves, devil. You know what I'm saying? How quickly we are willing to forgive reveals to us our spiritual maturity. We must run to the word as quick as the offense hits and his little buddies, the offense and his little buddies. We must realign ourselves and remember who we are in Christ and our partnership with him. Proverbs 18.1 says, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. I don't want to build up any walls. I want the Lord to be able to move in and move out whenever he wants. I don't want those blinders of pride on telling, telling me that, 
that I've done nothing wrong here, that it's this person, it's this person, so I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to be a part of that. Truth about forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't change what happened, but it changes how we move forward. And that was my third point. Sorry, that was my third point. We're done with the points. Now it's just some truths about forgiveness. It doesn't change what happened, but it changes how we move forward and live again. It changes our present and our future. It shifts us from under the bondage and harassment of the enemy and back to the freedom in our Lord Jesus Christ. It shifts us from our mindset, or, or shifts our mindset and perspective, perspective, causing the heart of the Father to come back into focus. It may not change the person, forgiveness, it may not change the person that we're forgiving, but it scoots us over so that the one capable of that can. Forgiveness aligns us with the legacy of Christ, what he died for. When we operate in offense, when we operate in unforgiveness, we... We, we uh, renege what he did, almost not renege, but you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we kind of like, where are you laughing at me? Um, we kind of like take, like, we don't understand what he's done for us. Like, we forget what he's done for us. I don't want to operate in that. It puts us back in right standing with God. Matthew 6, 6, 6 verses 14 and 15. For if we forgive the men, you're, I'm thinking of the time, sorry. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive yours. Ooh, I don't want that. I need some, I need forgiveness right now. <laughs> I need forgiveness yesterday, today, this seconds before when I was trying to operate in fear, sitting up here. You know what I mean? We need, for, God, Lord, forgive me. It's it puts us, oh, sorry, I already read that. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we have to continue in a relationship with the person. God desires us to live in peace with all people, as much as depends on us, says Romans 12, 18. But just like the story of Esau and Jacob, two brothers, there was a big, big, big offense that happened there. And just like the two brothers, um, Jacob came back years later and to seek reconciliation with Esau and they sought reconciliation. They both forgave each other. They embraced each other. But then they moved on. They, the, the Bible doesn't say it anywhere in the word that they, they came back together in their tribes, like came to villages, came together, and, and were a big old happy family. No, it just says that reconciliation happened, and then they moved about their business. They were free. Um, forgiveness takes us off the seat of judgment and places us in the seat of mercy, like Jesus. Forgiveness doesn't mean that the other person got away with anything. It doesn't mean that they got away with anything. It means that the offender is off our hook, but still very much on his. We're giving control over to, to, to the Lord to do what only he can do, the, what, he, what only he is capable of doing. We're not blameless. We are so full of blame. Forgiveness um, restores our sight. Amen. I wanted to um, to play a clip. Do we still have time for that? Is that okay? Okay, just briefly play a clip from Moana. Listen. She's a mom. She stands apart from the crowd. She loves the sea and her people. She makes her whole family proud. Sometimes the world seems against you. The journey may leave a scar, but scars can heal and reveal just where you are. The 
people you love will change you. The things you have learned will guide you. And nothing on earth can silence the quiet voice still inside you. And when that voice starts to whisper, Moana, you've come so far. Moana, listen, do you know who you are? Okay, that's good. Okay, so then Moana like goes in and says, she's like, oh, who am I? And she remembers. And this is a scene, if you've never seen this, this is a scene where she's given up. She's about to paddle her butt back to Mokawana, whatever it's called. I can't remember. I should remember because I've seen this like a gazillion times, my, my four beautiful children. But those words are so powerful. I was watching. I'm, I'm going through my message a couple of days ago, and I'm listening on my earphones. And then I'm, my two girls, I've got two kids in school, and my two girls that are sitting there watching it. And I hear this song come on, and I just kind of quirk my head, and I say, what did she just say? So I rewrote the words, and it says, um, I know a princess sent from heaven. She's set apart from the crowd. She loves her God and his people. She makes her heavenly father proud. Sometimes the world seems against us, right? The journey may leave a scar, but scars can heal and reveal just where we are. In our relationship with him, bringing, um, or be, being able to remember several times a day that we are in need of a savior. The people you love can change you. The things you have learned will guide you. And nothing on this earth can, but nothing on this earth can silence the quiet voice still inside you. And when the voice starts to whisper, Katie, Nicole, Marcy, Gabby, you have come so far. Listen, do you know who you are? So I love it in our time at the tables, if we could um, journal a little bit about, about who we are, who we are in Christ. I think that's the most important takeaway from this whole thing is that we need to know who we are. We are daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. And that's it. That's all I got. Y'all give it up. Again, we've been given a great task to try to cover all of those great thoughts about unforgiveness and forgiveness and knowing who you are. And I think Angie did an excellent job. I think we've got some points, amen, and some takeaways that we're going to be able to think about for, for days and weeks to come. Again, I said this is like going to the skin specialist. I go with my husband and they say, ooh, you have a little something on your arm. We just want to see today, do we have a little something on our arm? Is there something that we need some surgery on? Are there some things that we could deal with and, and work with? And I want to close with, you know, there's a great concept. Uh, I've taught it for for years and years and years. And as I shared with Angie, we do that in a two to three day uh, retreat where we handle these issues. So it's very difficult to, to handle it all in, in this time frame. But we talk about a bitter root judgment. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews, just be careful that no bitter root gets down and springs up. And it says it defiles many. We can see that as we just saw the Herodias um, analogy where it sprung up in her and defiled her daughter to, to where her daughter asked, you know, for someone to be murdered. And so we, we, we've got to be careful that those bitter roots don't get in there. And as we talked about, they'll take root. They'll come from offense. They'll come from, you know, and one of the main things the Bible says is judge not lest you be judged. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times offense and bitterness and unforgiveness will stem from judging someone. And I'll just tell you briefly a testimony as we close. My own testimony. You guys have 
probably stories that would probably curl the hair on my head of the things we've all walked through. So mine's not any different than yours or any greater than yours, but we've all walked through major things. But in my life, my parents were divorced at an early age, and it was a terrible divorce, horrible divorce. People everywhere were all strung out, and, you know, we say the, the highway, highway was littered with our family and, and what, it, what happened to us. But um, I, I formed a judgment at that time that I would never do what my father did. That I would never walk that way. That that wasn't going to happen to me. And that's a bitter root because it's a judgment. And the Bible says, judge not lest you judge. It'll come upon you. Do you know I found out later in my life that the same thing my dad did tried to come upon me at almost the same age because I had judged him. And what the Lord showed me was that I've got to say, except for the grace of God, I could have walked through the same thing. I'm not talking about if some of you have been abused and, 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 and terrible things. But in, in most instances, we can say, had it not been for the grace of God, I could have done the exact same thing. And I could have. You know, and years later, I said, I walked in forgiveness. I walked in, I forgave, I forgot. But you know what the Lord showed me? I still held my father accountable. That's what judging is. At every point in my life, I would say, I couldn't be like Angie. I couldn't be like Miss Jamie because I had this happen in my family. And that's called, that's a bitter root. It, it will spring up. It'll take root. I tell you what, the Lord says, don't you put anybody on that throne but him. My daddy has nothing to do with the way my life has progressed once I get born again and I get into the kingdom of God. Amen. The blood of Jesus. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for that one. The blood of Jesus has wiped it all clean. And I cannot live in holding someone accountable for the rest of my days because that's to make them greater than my Lord. And so today I would just ask you, we're going to talk about some of that at the tables, that we take authority over holding anyone accountable for anything that's happened. And I do that simply by saying, Lord, forgive me for holding them accountable. You're God, not them. And yes, those were terrible things. And yes, they might have caused me to make some choices that I shouldn't have made. But ultimately, you're the Lord of my life. You know, years later, my father and I had been estranged for many years, and I had we had forgiven, but I, I was sharing with Angie and Miss Jamie. But you know what? There wasn't a bridge. You talked about that. There wasn't a bridge built to get back to his world, right? Our world had no bridge between us. And so we were estranged for many years. Fast forward, Mike and I are traveling and I get a phone call. We come in late one night. We're traveling, doing ministry. And we came in. It's 10 o'clock at night. And back in those days, we had the old answer machines. You remember? Beep, leave your message. Okay. So we opened the message and it was, uh, if you would like to see your father one more time, he's on his deathbed if you'd like to come in the name of the hospital. Now, I had not seen my father in years and years and years. And I looked at Mike and I said, I don't really want to go. I don't feel like, you know, that's something that I have to do, but I feel like we need to do it. And Mike said, no, we're going. So we got in the car and we went to a hospital with a family of people that I did not know, another family he had raised for years and years and years. And we walked in and I was ushered into his room and he's laying in this hospital bed. And he had these little twinkly blue eyes. He was all shriveled up. And I walked in. I hadn't seen him in years. And his eyes started following me. And he said, you're so beautiful. Oh, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. And you know what the Lord spoke to me at that moment? Because it wasn't that I was beautiful. But let me tell you what was beautiful. Grace was beautiful because grace walked in that door. Because, see, he was undeserving of it, right? Not by our God. But he was undeserving of my grace. But because I didn't want to forfeit my kingdom like Herodias did. You see, I walked into that room. 
And my husband walked in that room, and we had made a decision. And I said, listen, I'm going to step outside the door, and I want you to ask him about his salvation. And I stepped outside the door. I talked to my father a few minutes, and I stepped outside the door, and I could hear Mike. And he said, Mr. Russell, if you died today, would you go to heaven? And he said, no, son, probably not from the life that I've led. And Mike said, would you like me to help you with that? He said, could you? Mike said, yeah, I can help you with that. And he prayed a prayer with him right then and there, and he accepted Jesus into his heart on his deathbed. Amen. And I walked back into that room, and he looked at Mike. He said, take care of my little girl. I'd waited 30 years to hear that. Amen. You see, that's what happens when we let go and we forgive and we walk in a grace and a mercy. They don't, need, they don't deserve it, but God's grace says they do. And so we walked out of that room. Five hours later, he went home to be with Jesus. You know, I want to tell you a quote. It may be on the screen. We may have it. I'm not sure. We wanted to put a quote up there that said, The greatest breakthrough you may ever receive is accepting an apology you may never get. See, I had to accept an apology I never got. It was worth it. I will tell you this, my mother had died some years before that, and she's probably still mad at me because I prayed him into heaven, but you know what? She'll have to get over it. Amen. So we want to close this morning, and I hope we've left enough time because the real ministry begins at this, this table. The real ministry begins there. And we've left you a journal. We would like you to journal. One of the things we thought about is, is there an apology that you may need to write that you may never receive? Is there someone, is there something... Maybe not. I don't know. That's just a point that I know for me, this is my testimony, that was life-changing, that I had to accept that apology. You may want to write that. As we talked about, are you, are you dealing with someone else's offense? As we talked about, we shared about maybe an offense from your own family. Maybe some family member, some co-worker, some, some, have you taken on something that you don't need to take on? Now's the time that you can sit and journal on this piece of paper. I don't know what you need to journal today. Maybe you just need to journal something. Many of you leaders may say, I've already got that revelation. I'm on the other side of that. Great. Who in your world needs to hear this? Who in your world is needing you to say, let's walk out of that offense. Let's don't ask for the head of John the Baptist. Let's don't do that anymore. Let's walk in freedom. You may want to just journal that. So as we just begin, let's just begin that time today. We're just going to begin a time of, of journaling as we, as we get ready to close up. And you guys just, just write. Just take some reflective time. You know, Angie talked about maybe you want to journal who you are. Who has the Lord spoken to you today? Has he offered you up to half of his kingdom? No, he's offered you all of his kingdom. Amen. He's offered you all of his kingdom. Don't let anything hold back. Maybe you just want to journal. Lord, I see what, you, what you're offering me today. And I want to come out of those things once and for all and be free and be able to minister. Just begin to do that today as we just have a little music in the background. We're just going to take a reflective moment. Let me pray over you as you begin to do that. Father, we just thank you today, God. We just thank you, Lord, that today you would just begin to begin the journey as Angie talked about. The journey of us pulling into you and pulling into your word. Jesus, you are Lord. We declare today. Maybe you want to make a declaration on that piece of paper. We declare today we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We do not have time. To worry about offenses and bitterness and unforgiveness. We've got a job to do. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for that right now, God. Right now, set our sisters free as they just begin to minister to themselves 
as you minister to them. Thank you, Father. We just thank you for it in Jesus' name. You just take this time. We're just going to have a few quiet minutes.